Welcome to the house of God. Welcome to an incredible group of people, an awesome group of people at the 12 p.m. service. You guys are phenomenal. Seriously, uh, all day, just every service has been leaning in uh, and just energized by what the Spirit of God is doing and just we're testifying. I just love it. Uh, just, just on that, if you do have a testimony, if God has done something in your life, write it down. There are praise report cards in the back seat pockets or at the welcome desk. We want to hear what God is uh, doing in your life. So don't, even if it's something small, man, testify about it. We really want to see uh, just uh, the testimony of Christ flood the earth. Uh, how cool, uh, the, the song that we sang, uh, Come and Fill the Temple, uh, the song is called Habitation. How cool is this? It was written by our own team here at City Point Noco. That is amazing. Pastor Landon and Pastor Katie, so good. We're more to come. Um, we are in a faith, love, hope season. Last Sunday, if you were to, uh, if you're new with us here today, or maybe you weren't with us last Sunday, last week was our faith, love, hope Sunday, and uh, we came around celebrating what God did and came into sowing vision into 2024 and also a sowing a financial seed into the vision of what God's doing here. And let me just tell you, last week we started by raising $189,000 last Sunday. Can we give God praise for that? So uh, we are well underway uh, to what God's going to do to reach our first goal where construction can, can happen. And so just continue to pray with us for that. But in the spirit of generosity, we also know that uh, during this time we're facing Thanksgiving this week, uh, staring down Christmas. Uh, and some of you might be facing financial burdens right now. And uh, we want to be a church that as a, as a stands with you not only in prayer, but uh, in a moment of generosity that we can bless you. And so after the service, our crisis care team will be in the lobby or go to the welcome desk and say, maybe you, maybe you just need, hey, I need some extra money for gas this week. Or I need a gift card for food. I'd love to, maybe, maybe we could bless you for your entire uh, Thanksgiving meal. Uh, for you and your family. We'd love to do that. So maybe, maybe you have a bill that needs to be paid. Let, hey, go to the, uh, the welcome desk, get a hold of the crisis care team, and let's see how we can stand with you as a church in this season. Amen? Uh, we want to come to a place of, uh, we, we declared 2024 is going to be the year of Gethsemane. And uh, I laughed when uh, we, we, we declared this to the staff and the leadership, and Becky goes, I don't want another year of Gethsemane. I have already had three years of Gethsemane. And uh, it's, we're stepping into an, a, a pivotal moment in history. Uh, it's a hinging moment uh, where God is opening up the door for where we can be and be a part of the move of God here in Colorado to ultimately see Colorado come to Christ. We will continue to declare Colorado will come to Christ because we're here for a purpose. We're here for a reason. We are the church. We are, the city. We are a city on a hill. We are the salt and the light. We are going to be the army of the Lord to make a difference in this generation. And so uh, we want to unpack. We want to unravel the year of Gethsemane and start starting now to prepare us for the new year. Uh, we want to go to 2 Chronicles 7.14. This is going to be a passage that we don't just have a prayer meeting and bring it out. Uh, this is going to be a passage that's going to become a war cry here at City Point because we want to be contending. We want to be ch uh, uh, challenging the spiritual realm and seeing God advance and more breakthrough. Who is keen to see more breakthrough manifest in the spirits? We want to see more people delivered of cancer. Amen? We want to see more people, the blind eyes open, the deaf ears open, more demonized. Man, those demons being completely cast out and see God bring freedom. Everybody say freedom. Freedom that Christ purchased at the cross. Amen? Christ purchased our freedom. And it's beautiful. And if we step into it, 
But let me read 2 Chronicles 7.14 and declare this over our, our, over our lives, personally, corporately, and just really unpack what God put on my heart today. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Today, I want to talk from the subject of divine alignment. Divine alignment. Holy Spirit, breathe, breathe, breathe. Just to continue to breathe upon every moment that we have together. Even right now, I just feel that you're just tugging hearts. You're healing broken hearts. I just I really feel the Holy Spirit's just still ministering to people in this room. It's powerful. It's incredible. But Holy Spirit, we just, we, we offer our hearts a moment to be submitted to the Word of God so the power of the Word can bring transformative power to change us more into your likeness. And we pray this together in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, divine alignments. In the 90s, that's when I went to high school. In the 90s, I went to Wheat Ridge High School. And uh, in the 90s, my, uh, my first car was a 1988 Toyota truck, a small truck with a flatbed. And there was not one bit of electronics in that car. There was a tape cassette player, though. Can I get tape cassette lovers? Come on, in Jesus' name. Uh, but I was driving my truck, and uh, two weeks in to get my license and having the truck, I pulled into the gas station, and uh, I realized I was on the wrong side of the gas station, so I had, had, had to do a UE to pull into the other side, and there was the gas pump, and then there was a big old brick pillar that I thought I had enough clearance on my front right side of the truck, but as I pursued this big old brick pillar, all of a sudden the right side of my truck started to indent quickly into the brick pillar. And uh, I crushed the, the front right side of my uh, truck, thus throwing the truck out of alignments. And I thought, you know, I don't have $800 to fix this right now, so I'm just going to keep on driving this truck with a messed up front alignment as far as I possibly can. And so I'm going down the highway, and it just kept wanting to veer to the right. And I'm literally holding the steering wheel like this, going, I'll get there. I'll get there one day, shape or form. I'm going to get there. I don't care how chaotic this is, how disruptive my steering alignment is, I will get there until it gets fixed. And I, I learned very quickly, it's best to have your vehicle in alignment. Can I get an amen? It's very bad. There's, there's, some, there's some things that come with having your tires in alignment. It reduces tire wear. It, it gives you maximum tire life. It enhances fuel economy. It doesn't take as much. When you're out of alignment, you burn more gas. And just with a little tweak, a little twist, all of a sudden you can shift back into alignment. It improves handling. You're easy, easy to turn. When you're out of alignment, you lose all sense of power steering. It increases driving safety. And I wonder if our lives are a little bit like this. That our lives are in the place where the only place that God desires you and I as a believer is in divine alignment. That he has his word he has prophesied and declared and decreed his word so that you and I would abide and obey and adhere to his word so that we can come into alignment. Because if we're not out of alignment, you might feel like you're a lot of wear and tear going on in my life. When you're out of alignment, you feel like, why are the small things uh, just, just 
squeezing all the energy out of me. Why do I, why do I feel the sense of that I want, that my, my, my gas is burning much quicker these days. And see, God can steer you when you're in alignment, but when you're out of alignment, God can't steer you where he wants you to go. And this message is to put us in divine alignment because what is coming through the church to Colorado and beyond, what is coming through the church, the church must be ready and in alignment. The church must be ready to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to his church so that we can be ready and prepared to adhere and, and, and in this supernatural, anointed, divine alignment to be perfected in it and see God assigning us to do all that he's called us to do. Because our world will try to tear you away from being aligned with God. We know this. Our nation right now is rivaling Saddam and Gomorrah in the Bible. Our nation right now is, a, is an unrighteous agenda. There's corruption at every level. It's gripping level of wickedness over every corner. The spirit of perversion is it's trying to throw itself down at every single person's throat. The spirit of perversion is even trying to get into the libraries of our children. You see, the spirit of the Antichrist is at full steam uh, deceiving the majority. There are people deconstructing their faith right now as we speak. There are people that are trying to rewrite their Bibles to uh, fulfill itchy ears. There's people moving the boundaries of the stones of our forefathers, trying to move us into a pagan nation. There's, there's, a, there's a group of people that are, that are trying to take Christianity and make it progressive. My friends, you cannot take the ancient eternal word of God and make it progressive. Nothing needs to be attituded. It is infallible. It is absolute. Can I get an Amen. The church in this hour cannot be misaligned. When you're misaligned with, 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 with the world and not aligned with the divine God, you are in a place where you are easily, your, 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 your spirit is easily itched by a surface appetite with an inspiring word that is loosely connected to the scriptures that sounds good, it feels good. When you walk out of this room, you are not transformed and changed. The church has to come to a place where I must get into alignment. Why? Because there's lives depending upon it. There is a generation that will perish if the church doesn't rise up and say, I am the remnant. I'm about to get divinely aligned. I'm about to step into a supernatural anointing that God is calling his church to. See, 2 Chronicles 7.14 is a divine alignment. And when we step into this, when we adhere to what God says, he says, I'm going to heal. I'm going to heal what's happening in Denver. I'm going to heal what's happening with our governor. I'm going to heal what's happening in the, in the city council. I'm going to heal what's happening in our schools. Then the suddenlies of God are going to become your normal every day. And like David, it's time for the church to stop hiding in the pastures. Like David, it's time for the church to step into line and say, God, I'm ready. Pour out your anointing. Because guess what? The anointing flows with you when your alignment occurs. Your anointing will flow where alignment occurs. So how do we do this? How do we cultivate divine alignment? Number one is this. We have to cultivate divine dissatisfaction. Cultivating divine dissatisfaction. What do you mean? That means no condition, no carnal, no temporal happiness can satisfy my 
spirits. That means that I'm, I'm done with inadequate substitutions. I'm done with counterfeit Christianity. I am done with a surface appetite. I'm done with all these things. I need to press in to the more of heaven on earth. St. Augustine prayed this. He said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Our hearts are restless. That means we've been made to experience the more of God. We've been made to experience the entirety of Christ fulfilled in our lives and manifesting in the natural. You see, Isaiah 64, 5 through 7, the prophet is describing a generation that sounds a lot like ours. There is a very uh, uh, incredible contrast or a comparison. And he says this, he says, you meet him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. You are indeed angry for we have sinned in these ways. We continue and we need to be saved. We are all like an unclean thing and all our, un- our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Verse seven, and there is no one who calls on your name, who stirs himself up to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. Let that sink. How atrocious to be in a place where no one is willing to call on the name of the Lord. Not one is willing to stir himself up, to grab hold. To grab hold means to apprehend. To apprehend means to arrest. Arrest what God is doing in this hour. No one's willing to call on the name of the Lord. No one's willing to get on their knees and cry out in the land of injustice, in the onslaught of wickedness. There was no one in this day that says, hey, God, awaken me. Hey, God, stir me. Hey, God, agitate every portion of comfort in my bones so that we can see the resurrection power come to our land. Can I get an amen? It's time to be shaken. It's time to be stirred. It's time to be agitated. It's time to be be thrown into the supernatural dryer and allow the Holy Spirit to shake us until the church is ripe and ready. It's time for us to go into relentless gear. Can I get him? amen? It's time for us to get a little bit of wrestle about us like Jacob did with the angel. It's time to get so agitated that it agitates us out of being a passive church. You, I know you want to do it. I know you want to, to be on the forefront of, of obedience with God. I'll be on the forefront of the lines of the army of God, seeing heaven come to earth, seeing the supernatural invade your everyday lives. I know that you, the things that you see, the things that are, are just bubbling in your heart, you want to manifest. And God's saying, if you would just divinely align, if you would just come into alignment, watch what I'm about to do in your life. Watch what I'm about to do. You see, Becky got some oil, and it's like the scent stuff that you put in the little machine, and then you plug it into the wall, and then that that little machine just gently sprays the scent into the atmosphere, that wafting aroma then is uh, accepted. You see, I have a warning for the church in this hour, because where we are headed, in the days we are headed, the warning is the devil would love for the scent of Ahab to permeate in the church. What do you mean by that, Pastor Aaron? The scent of Ahab. Let me break down the story in 1 Kings. King Ahab from Israel marries a Lebanese woman, Phoenician princess named Jezebel. Jezebel worships other gods. She does not want anything to do with Yahweh. She worships all other idols. She loves 
to sacrifice babies. She comes to this place and she marries uh, King Ahab. Ahab becomes passive. He becomes, he's not a man of God. He becomes a, a passive, neutered man that has no a, a sense of conflict, uh, resolution, no sense of a fight about him. But he's a, a man that is allowing all this wickedness now to come into the land of Israel. He's a man that, that does not fear Yahweh. He fears man. And he would love, this spirit would love for the scent to seduce you and I back to a place of slumber back to a place that we're caught off guard, back to a place where we're with Jesus in the garden, but yet we, we fall asleep on the hour that we are to keep watch with the Lord. See, the spirit of the, the Ahab would love to keep you in that place of passivity. He'd love you to get so satisfied that you stop exercising and operating in your dominion and authority. He'd love you to get to a place in the natural men that you become passive in your homes. You start to allow other people to control your homes, other people to manipulate your children, other people to, to manipulate the destiny that God has put on you as, as a man of the house. You see, the spirit of Ahab avoids conflict at all costs. He, he, he would love for you to abdicate your responsibilities in this hour as a son and daughter of God. He'd love you to relinquish control. Even in the day of Jesus, there was an Ahab. His name was Judas Iscariot. Judas hung in the shadows. There's not much penned about Jesus, but, but, but he hung in the shadows until that moment where he, with, with the exchange of money, he turned Jesus in and ultimately helped nail Jesus to the cross. You see, the spirit is in this Gethsemane hour. The spirit of passivity wants to tempt you, wants to pull you in, wants to make you indifferent, wants to make you tolerate what's going on. See, the spirit of Ahab wants you to avoid sacrifice wants you to come so satisfied that you stop being courageous. He wants you to stop being selfless. He would love you to go back to being a selfish Christian. The Ahab spirit wants to make church insecure. He wants to make church easily manipulative. He wants to make church easily controlled. He wants to make church easily run over. He wants to turn the church into a jellyfish, a church with no spine. Everybody say but. Can I get a B? Can I get a U? Can I get a T? Can I get a B-U-T? Can I get a but-but-but? But God. Come on now. But God. But God is not passive. Our God is not a passive God. He sent his one and only son to redeem you and I. Our God is a defender of the widows and orphans. Our God fights for the rights of our children. Our God, when we could do nothing to save ourselves, Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. We are called to know him, we're called to love him, and we're called to be just like our Savior and our King. Come on, our God is not passive. The church is not passive. The church is active. The church is proactive. The church is territory taking. It is the church is expanding. The church is ever growing. The church is unstoppable. The church is still alive today. Even though every weapon in hell has tried to stop it, we are still here saying our God is alive. Jesus is alive. Can I get an amen? Come on, there's something good to be praising for today. There has to be a dissatisfaction. There's no place for passivity in the church. There's only place for boldness. Boldness is the opposite of passivity. Boldness moves forward while passivity holds back. Boldness 
takes action while passivity refuses to engage. The scriptures command you to take action. The scriptures command you to not be passive, to not be in a place where you are so satisfied. No, be dissatisfied by being bound with passivity. Not being bound by passivity says, hey, I'm, you know what? I'm going to stop complaining about the government on Facebook, and I'm actually going to go to the prayer meeting and start making a difference about my government in the prayer meeting. You see, God is looking for his church to combat this spirit of Ahab. And I, I'm telling you, this, this is the sense that's trying to permeate the church right now. It's trying to come, rope it back in. No, 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 don't, 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 don't come alive. Don't wake up. Don't, don't catch on fire. Don't step into this divine alignment that I've called you to step into because I, I no, no, because the church is unstoppable. The devil knows that. But Ephesians 5.8 gives us, gives us the key to come against Ahab. Ephesians 5.8 says, do not get drunk with wine for that is wickedness, corruption, stupidity, but be filled. Everybody say be filled but be filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. Be filled with the Spirit of God. You want to stop that repetitive sin in your life? Be filled with the Spirit of God. You want to stop being passive and slothful in your prayer life? Be filled with the Spirit of God. Stop trying to be the victor and surrender to the victor so that his victory that is declared by the blood of Jesus can be established in your life. We need some free Christians. We need some passionate Christians, some dissatisfied Christians to say, God, agitate me out of passivity. Come on, stir me out of tolerance. Not everything in this world is, oh, okay, sirrah, sirrah, sirrah. No, it is on our clock. And Isaiah once again says, there's no one that calls on my name. There's no one that stirs themselves to take hold of God. But there's somebody in this room. I know it. I can feel it. There's somebody in this room that says, I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. There's somebody in this room that says, you know what? I'm going to be stirred. I'm going to stir myself up to this point. The thing is, we've got to stop pointing the finger at the government. We've got to stop pointing the finger at the school systems. We've got to turn the finger back to the church because it starts here, ladies and gentlemen. It starts with you. It starts with me. This is the hour to step into divine alignment. Can I get an amen? Amen. To cultivate this, it's not only divine dissatisfaction, but it's divine discipline of desperation. Divine discipline of desperation. What does that mean? There is a place in the spirit, in a spirit-led life, where desperation is in everyday normal. Where urgency is an everyday normal. That God, if he can get a hold of this divine discipline in your life, this rhythm being led by the Spirit of God, we can come to a place of, of, of experiencing desperation as, an, as a normal part of everyday life. You see, do I have any chili lovers in the house? See, I just, uh, I love me some chili. Go steamboat, I go snowboarding. Halfway through the day, I go down and have some lunch, get me some chili, take those crackers and I crumble it, just spread it across the large bowl of chili, take the cheese, mozzarella, mm, just, just let it simmer, sour cream, sour cream lovers, come on, you need the sour cream in your chili, you know what I'm saying? But you know what, 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 what a good cook knows how to do, Rich, you know, you're a good cook, bro, you know, you know how to, how to, how to uh, uh, the pot must be stirred, right? The pot must be stirred, why? Why does the pot need to be stirred? Because the goal of stirring the chili 
of stirring the pot is to get a thorough amount of heat to all of the pot's contents. A thorough amount of heat. So in other words, you got to stir it up and stir it up so every portion of your life can be exposed to the intensity of the heat, the intensity of the flame of the spirit. Come on, sometimes you need to tell your soul, I just got to stir you up. I've got to stir you up. This is a rhythm that belongs to me. This is a discipline that belongs to me. The Holy Spirit inside of me is remaining dormant because I haven't built a discipline of desperation to say it is I I am the remnant. I am the yes. I am the one to pray for that headache. I am the one to engage the lost. I am the one to give that person $100. I am the one. God's called me. I am not going to default and let someone else do it. You see, it's desperation. It's the spirit-led life. It does not slumber. Revelations 3.15 in the Amplified. Check this out. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold, invigorating, refreshing, nor hot, healing, or therapeutic. I wish that you were cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm, spiritually useless, and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth, rejecting you with disgust. What a warning, and especially delivered in those words, the sense of, God, ah, this church will not be caught lukewarm and spiritually useless. This church is going to be a church of maturity in Christ. This church is going to be a church of demonstration. This church, when someone is demonized next to you, you're not going to wait for a pastor. You're not going to wait for a leader. You're going to demonstrate and operate in your authority and exercise your dominion, and you are going to deliver and cast that demon out in the name of Jesus. This church, every man, woman, and child, that the spirit realm will know your name and your name and your name and your name just like they knew the the name of Apostle Paul. They're going to come into a place and say, I know this man. I know the Chideses. The Chideses, they have the power. Come on, can I get an amen? A church that that is devoted and so driven by this desperation. Let me tell you, the the platform passion is not fake. Not fake from anybody. It is a platform passion that has been built in the secret place. A discipline, a divine discipline that has been been rhythmicized, if that's even a word, in the name of Jesus. Rhythmicized to come to a place where desperation is normal in our lives. See, we cannot wait for our 401k to get threatened to be desperate. We can't wait for the stock market to crash to get desperate. We can't wait for the war in Israel to be on the soil of the United States in order to get desperate. We cannot wait for the people in our world to go to hell because we were not bold enough and courageous enough to tell them about Jesus, the greatest gift to humanity. Our nation needs you to rise in the discipline of desperation and say yes to Jesus. Can I get an amen? Spurgeon says taking hold implies a reverent familiarity with the Lord by which we use a holy force. A holy force. The violent taken it by force. There's a discipline. And Mary and the alabaster jar story, Matthew 26, 7, shares it so beautifully. She allows desperation to come to a place of, of, of bringing an unstoppable worship to Jesus in this hour. While everybody else, all the disciples, it says even Lazarus is kicked back. So he's reclined. He's reclined, but Mary's inclined. She's in a posture ready to break the mold 
of the disciples. And she pulls out this alabaster jar and she begins to shower a small gift, but a powerful gift of surrender that opened her up to a greater glory of God. See, I wonder what you need to break the mold in. I wonder if, if, if this divine discipline of desperation could be found in, in choosing and seeing within our lives and our, our lifestyle. Have I, just, have I just fallen into a rut? Have I fallen into the mundane? Have I fallen into the rep- repetitious trap of tradition? Have I just given myself to, hey, I'll just come in, I'll sit down, I'll slip out, and I'll just continue to go about what I usually do, and, and I, I, I'm not really introducing anything else. I'm not breaking the mold. I wonder if we come to church together and we start to break the mold. I wonder if you could start to know the smell of the carpet. I wonder if you uh, it could come into a season of travail that, man, you, you understand what it means to, to cry out and have tears for a generation. I wonder if you break the mold in such a way where revival becomes a norm in your life because you're like, Jesus, this is so out of my comfort zone. This is so beyond my personality. This is so beyond, but by the power of the Spirit, by the grace that's sufficient for me, I'm going to break the mold just like those four men that says, hey, my friend is sick and I got to get them to Jesus no matter what. It's a bit of an outcast move, but guess what? I'm going to do it because Jesus needs to encounter my friend. There's got to be a sense of stirring the pot. There's got to be a sense of that no one else is going to stir your pot except you. No one else has the ability to be agitated and say yes to Jesus, but you. Are you going to answer the call of desperation in this hour? A lady in Brisbane, she, uh, late 50s or 50s, and she, uh, man, she broke the mold every single Sunday night. Our Sunday morning services are, are typically the, the older at heart generation, and uh, the, the, the PM service was usually the youth and young adults and and uh, she'd come to the, to the Sunday night service, and she would just break the mold. She'd be prostrate on the ground at the altar. She'd be dancing. She'd be praising the Lord. And then uh, just, just this, this divine discipline, this rhythm that she created in her life. And then all of a sudden, she got diagnosed with cancer in her, in her stomach. And it was quite large. And uh, they're like, you know what, we don't know how much longer you have, all that stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And so, man, she did not stop breaking the mold. She did not stop this divine discipline of desperation. She kept coming. She kept showing up. She kept coming and kept showing up. And then we had a healing evangelist come in and pray for her in the Sunday morning services. And she didn't feel anything. Nothing happened. But nothing broke within her because she had this momentous, desperate drive of discipline inside of her heart saying, I'm going to wrestle until something happens. And so she moved into a place that Sunday night. She's up at the altar. She's prostrate. She's praising God. She's loving God. The healing evangelist then prays for her the second time, and she felt a shift in her spirit. She felt something move in her body. And so she goes to the doctor the next day, and the doctor is baffled and can't find any cancer in her body. Why? Because desperation drives your decisions. Desperation, the church has to mature beyond devastation, driving your desperation, and we got to get back to a place of allowing desperation to drive our everyday decisions so that we move into a place saying, God, I am ready for you to pour out your spirit like never before. I am going to be the one divinely aligned. I'm going to be the one stepping into a place to say yes to you no matter the prompting, no matter the word, no matter how uncomfortable it is. Get ready. The church is about to be alive like it's never been alive. It's about to be fed into flame. Can I get an amen? 
If I could have the keys up, that would be amazing. Habakkuk was an incredible frustrated prophet. And he was in a day of wickedness, just like our day. He was in a day where it was so bad. In the message version in Habakkuk 1.3, he said this. He says, why do you force me to look at evil, stare trouble in the face day after day? So he's just like, God, why? What's going on? We could be looking at everything that's going on in our generation right now and just go, God, why? Why is this not stopping? Why aren't the borders closed? Why does this keep happening in our schools? Why is the, the, the deception and the stupidity, why is it all going on? But see, unlike Jonah, Habakkuk channeled his frustration into prayer. Channeled his desperation into prayer. And in Habakkuk 3, he says these words. He says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In the wrath, remember mercy. So he put himself in a place, dissatisfied, desperate, saying, God, you have to move in my generation. The name Habakkuk means to wrestle, to embrace. This commentary said about Habakkuk 3 that says that prayer is an example of heart-wrenching prayer, desperate prayer, to birth a revival that brings a church out of Babylon. Our revival prayer of 2 Chronicles 7.14 is the revival that needs to take place for this generation to come out of the Babylonian culture that is dominant in our nation. Only revival, Jesus or nothing. Revival or nothing. This is the hour. This is the line drawn in the sand. This is what the Holy Spirit is saying. It cannot be, it cannot be this comfortable, passive, meditative prayer that will usher in revival. It cannot be. It has to be the desperate, heart-wrenching prayers of a body of Christ and believers that say, God, I am going to birth a heart of wrestle inside of me. I'm going to stir myself up because, man, this church needs to come alive. This church will come alive when the prayer meetings have a line outside of the door waiting to get in when the, when the church says I believe in prayer I value prayer I see the revival in my secret place I see the, the, the confidence why? because if a church starts to believe in prayer guess what? we can cancel the homosexual agenda in our nation when a church starts to believe in prayer we can expose the corruption in our government when the church starts to believe in prayer we can wipe out hate and racism when the church starts to believe in prayer we can end sex trafficking when the church starts to believe in prayer, marriages rise up, families rise up, life is resurrected, and God is glorified. When the church begins to believe in prayer, this is going to change the hour that we live. Can I get an amen? All of history hinges on this moment. I truly believe it with all my heart. All of history. History come into divine alignment. And number three, as we look to close, is divine joy. In the first service that I got to this point. Jesus said, for the joy that was set before me. For the joy that was set before me. This is not like a joy that you get when you listen to your favorite comedian. This isn't a joy when you get tummy rumbling laughter happening at the dinner table. This is a divine joy. It's a supernatural joy. 
got to understand, when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, Jesus was affirmed as a son before he was deployed in his ministry. So in other words, Jesus received the pleasure of the Father, the affirmation of the Father, the enjoyment and the value of the Father before he went on his ministry to please him and him alone. Divine joy must be at the very forefront of our divine alignment. The sense that, wow, there's so much hope for this nation. There's so much hope for our economy. There's so much hope for you. There's so much hope to get over anxiety, to break down the walls of depression. There's so much hope for you to be praying for your mom. You're praying for your lost dad. And there's so much hope. There's joy because the joy strengthens us. It strengthened Jesus when everything within him didn't have any ounce of energy. But because he was divinely aligned, Jesus was able to take up his cross. Jesus was able to push through the pain, the heartache, the, 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 the fabric that was stuck to the blood that was dried up on his skin. He was able to push through the hardship of knowing that those nails were about to go through his hands and his feet. Why? For the joy that was set before me. The joy that was set before me. My friend, it's time to get divinely aligned. It's time. Why? Because there is a reward if we step into a place that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, would pray, would seek my face, would turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Can we put our hands towards heaven? Move from the front to the back, left to the right. Can we put our hands towards heaven? Father, right now in the name of Jesus, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, I break any attack, any temptation, any seductive conversations by the spirit of Ahab in this room right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, we sever the enemy's plans. We silence their mouths. We, we come and we, we say, in Jesus' name, this scent of Ahab will not permeate in this house, will not permeate in any of the households connected to this body. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, that we will not be passive, but we will be adhering to your command and taking action. There's boldness that's filling this house. Lord, we do not have to be threatened. We do not have to fear the spirit of Ahab because we have the spirit of God. Elijah had the spirit of God when he went up against the prophets. Jesus had the spirit of God when he walked this earth in the flesh. In the same way, we have the spirit of God. So if Holy Spirit, fill us once again. Holy Spirit, like a waterfall, would you just fill every heart in this room? Fill us to overflowing, God that our, our containers cannot contain it, that our lives feel the, 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 the drenching of the overflow, that our lives feel, the Lord, the, the aftermath of what it means to just swim in the living rivers of God. I thank you, Father. We bless this house. We bless this house. We equip this house. We prepare this house. We thank you, Father, that we are soldiers of the Lord. We are designed for such a time as this. And we will step into divine alignment and say yes to everything you speak, Holy Spirit. We surrender our lives to you. 
Lead us into this year of Gethsemane. Lead us into this year of our prayer life. Lord, our, our, our pray without ceasing comes just an incredible tidal wave of God's blessings and promises fulfilled in our lives personally and in our state and in our nation. In Jesus' mighty name, with every eye looking at me, as we conclude the service, let me ask this question. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Don't, don't wrestle with this question. If you hesitated in a moment, you need Jesus. Right now is the moment to, get, to make peace with him. Right now is the moment to say, hey, Jesus, I need to come back to you. I need to surrender my life. I need to repent and confess that you're Lord. I need to receive this gift of salvation. Maybe years ago, you committed your life to Jesus and you're in this room and you're like struggling, going, man, I, I, I want Jesus. I want that. I need to recommit my life to him. Or maybe this is the first time ever that you've heard that Jesus died on the cross. He was the bridge. He was the key. He needed to die. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do ourselves like every other religion where you have to do A, B, and C to, to get what God does. No, no. Jesus did it for you. He bled. He died. He defeated death. He defeated sin. Three days later, he rose again. He is alive. And he's knocking on the door of your heart. And he wants in. He wants to be your Lord, your Savior, and your best friend. On the count of three, every eye looking at me, if that's you, online or in this room, you say, Pastor Aaron, that's me. Please, pray with me. I want to know Jesus. Just give me a wave on the count of three. One, two, three. If that's you, just give me a wave. Just say yes, that's me. From the front to the back, left to the right. We'll make sure everybody in this room has had the opportunity. Awesome. Awesome. But Lord, we thank you, Father, for this divine alignment that we're stepping into as a church, as a community. We say yes and we say amen in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Can we give God a shout of praise?